Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Two Point Podcast, where our conversion rate is always 100%. I'm Craig, and I'm joined by Nate. Hey, guys. We're going to be talking some previews uh, for the Week 12 games, uh, what we're looking for this week, and anything noteworthy related to injuries. We're going to be talking about over-under and who we think is going to win this game, win the game as well. So we'll get started with the Las Vegas Raiders and the Atlanta Falcons. The Raiders are three-point road favorites, which is kind of interesting there. Uh, but the over-under on this game is 54. Some of the injuries for this game includes Josh Jacobs, a uh, limited participant in practice today with a hip issue. I expect him to play. Jalen Richard, the pass-catching back for them, still having that chest issue. who has been limited practice two days in a row. Then Eric Harris, the safety. He was limited in practice uh, yesterday, did not practice today with a calf injury. Uh, and then we got the... Falcons wide receivers, Julio and Calvin Ridley both were limited in practice. Julio's obviously got a hamstring injury. Ridley's still dealing with the after effects of his foot injury. Then we got Hayden Hurst didn't practice two days in a row with his ankle injury. And then Todd Gurley uh, didn't practice two days in a row with his knee. Uh, I would assume it's probably just his chronic knee thing and they're just giving him rest though. So I wouldn't be too worried about Gurley. Yeah, that's my assumption on that as well, to be honest with you. It's going to be interesting to see. I assume that the wide receivers are obviously going to start for Atlanta, but they're going to kind of need Todd Gurley, so hopefully he's ready to rock. Yeah, I think Ridley will definitely play. Julio's, he might be closer to game-time decision. Yeah, mostly. Him and his hamstring every time. Right. I think they're going to need all three for this week if they're going to have a shot, but I guess we'll see. So I'm pretty much looking at Atlanta's defense. Can they step up? They played pretty well against the Saints last week. They got they forced two turnovers. Their offense just going to put it together. Uh, can Matt Ryan step up this week uh, and play? It, a lot of that depends on Julio Jones because if you look at the games from a fantasy perspective, when Julio Jones plays the whole game, Matt Ryan's awesome. When Julio Jones doesn't play the whole game, he's terrible. And then can the offensive line protect him? Obviously, he got sacked like eight times last week. And then can they get Todd Gurley going early in this game as well? Then on the Vegas side, pretty much doing what they do, run the ball, having Derek Carr be effective, and then if their defense can kind of step up and limit the damage of the Falcons. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think specifically on the uh, Raiders side of the defensive side of the ball, if the secondary does really well and kind of steps up uh, last week when they were playing um, Kansas City, Specifically that last drive, they kind of just got thrashed. Obviously, Matt Ryan without protection and without, you know, obviously healthy weapons, specifically Julio on the field, they can kind of get get thrashed a little bit. Matt Ryan's obviously not Patrick Mahomes, but I agree with you. I think this game kind of comes down to uh, Matt Ryan's arm, seeing if he's able to uh, kind of pick apart that secondary for the Raiders. And obviously on the Raiders side of the ball, I'm obviously watching the exact same things you kind of just said right now. With Jacobs potential, like obviously being limited, it's going to be interesting to see the, how that backfield works. Booker obviously is going to have more touches than Jacobs. Obviously, if Jacobs is healthy, he's going to get most of them as well. So obviously you and I are kind of the same feelings when it comes to Derek Carr. So it's going to be interesting to see whether they lean on that, that run game or if they're going to allow Derek Carr to obviously open up his arm a little bit. I'm starting the official let Derek Carr cook chant. Ooh, I like it. Because <laughs> everybody said it going into the season, let Russ cook. So we're going to do the let Derek cook. Yeah, I see what you did there. <laughs> Who you got winning this game then? I have the Raiders winning this game against the Falcons. I just think that they're overall on paper and obviously healthy reasons that they're the better team going in this week. Yeah, I have them winning as well. And then – 
just taking that fact, Atlanta always seems to find a way to lose games as well. It's true. And like you said, with fantasy, like with Julio, obviously just maintaining being healthy. If he's obviously in there, it allows for that offense to kind of be spread open a little bit. But if he's obviously having issues still with his hamstring going into this week, it's going to be really difficult for that offense to keep moving. Yep. Uh, so we'll move over to the next game, though, and that is the Chargers and the Bills. The Bills are five-and-a-half-point home favorites, over under 53 points in this game. The major injuries in this one on the Bills' side, we got John Brown didn't practice with an ankle injury. I don't think he's actually going to end up playing in this game, so see a little bit of a boost for Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis, the rookie wide receiver in this one. Then on the Chargers' side, we got Casey Hayward didn't practice, had a groin injury. Melvin Ingram, defense end, didn't practice with the knee injury. And then Kalen Balaz, the running back, limited in practice with an ankle and a calf injury. I just want to see Buffalo's offense be efficient. Uh, can their running back step up in this game, especially since the Chargers have struggled against the run so far this year? And then can Buffalo's defense step up? They've been very hit or miss all year. Then on the Chargers side, you just want to see Justin Herbert maintaining his good play for their running back groups. If Balazs can't go, then who's going to step up next? It doesn't sound like Austin Eckler is going to be back until next week at least. And then, like I said, the run defense for the Chargers is a big one as well. Yeah, I can kind of see that, to be honest with you. I'm definitely intrigued about that backfield with Buffalo. Obviously, them coming off of the bye last week. Uh, Zach Moss or Singletary obviously needing to step up. They've obviously kind of been doing the running back by committee there. So if they get the going, uh, the Bills – Wow, their pass rush has been pretty solid for the most part against the run. They're, you know, obviously, I think they're better in the pass game, uh, pass defense, to be honest with you. So I agree with you. If that backfield gets going with Buffalo, it'll obviously be beneficial to that offense. And obviously Herbert just maintaining Herbert's numbers. Maybe that defense's pass rush for the Bills might give him a little bit of a headache this week. But I'm, I'm interested to see if Keenan Allen obviously stays with the amount of targets like he had last week. Herbert's just done a really good job of maintaining consistency. Their record obviously doesn't reflect his play this year. So it's definitely going to be an interesting matchup, but I think the Bills being refreshed will obviously uh, be able to kind of limit Herbert's damage, if you will. Yep. So you're picking the Bills then? Yeah, I'm picking the Bills. I just think that they're better and rested right now. And the Chargers always find a way to lose ugly for some reason. Yeah, I'll go with the Bills as well. I think Tredavis White's going to be on Keenan Allen, kind of shut him down. So then Herbert's going to have to be – looking elsewhere to throw the ball as well. I agree with you. And he does have some weapons down there, but I just don't know if he doesn't feel as comfortable as he does when he throws to Keenan Allen. But like last week, he was just like an auto target. He had 19 targets. So when you only throw the ball, you know, anywhere between 35 to 43 times, half of those going to Keenan Allen. I don't see that being a continuation this week. Yeah, I think part of that might just be that offense because Philip Rivers would do that a lot too last year. He'd just throw – he would, like, only throw to Keenan Allen and the running back. Yeah, that's very true. And, I mean, obviously the Bills are very similar. I mean, Josh Allen obviously throws to Diggs quite a bit. It might be interesting to see if the Chargers and kind of reflect what the Bills will be doing with uh, – to obviously defend Keenan Allen. But, yeah, I definitely think the Bills will take this one for sure. Yep, so we'll get over to the next one. That's the New York Giants at the Cincinnati Bengals. The Giants are six-point road favorites, so that's a pretty strong road favorite there. I know Bengals are really beat up, but still a six-point road favorite for a team that's three and seven is pretty impressive. Uh, Over-under is uh, 44 points in this game. The only real major injury in this game is Gio Bernard, who's got that concussion. Obviously, he has to clear protocol to play this weekend. I'm not sure that's going to happen for him, so if he doesn't play, then... Bengals are even worse than they were before. 
Honestly, on the Bengals side, we're looking to see how Brandon Allen does at quarterback. He played a couple of games last year for the Broncos. Uh, one of the games was all right, but the rest weren't too good. Obviously, you got the running back situation as it is. If Gio Bernard can't go, you're going to be looking at Simajé Pirine and I believe Trevion Williams. Then can the Bengals defense kind of make up for their offense? I don't think it'll happen, but worth a shot to see. They'll have to get some turnovers against the Giants. Daniel Jones, see if he can catch him in a mistake. Then on the Giants side, you want to see Daniel Jones. Can he keep up the good play he's kind of had in recent weeks? Wayne Gallman, this should be a matchup that he can take advantage of, especially later on in the game, getting a bunch of carries. Should be a good day for him. And then that Giants defense, can they step up and play well like they've been doing? Yeah, I think I agree with you. For the most part, Bengals offense is obviously going to look a little rough. So for me, it's just like, after last week with what happened to Joe Burrow, I assume that offensive line is going to kind of be a focal point uh, moving forward and trying to fix those issues. So I'm interested to see how they're going to do and see if they can support that offense. With pretty much all their big names out going into this week, it's going to be kind of difficult for them to move the ball. The Giants' defense isn't that great, but they are allowing, you know, 377.2 yards per game. So for the most part, I think you might be able to actually move that ball with the Giants a little bit. But, yeah, I, I definitely see the Giants winning this game. It's going to be interesting to see if, like, Tate and Slayton kind of step up. Do you know if Shepard's going to be playing this week for the Giants? Yeah, he should be. I think he was going to be, too. I think he was just questionable uh, a couple days ago, or, like, he had was limited in practice or something. So, if Shepard's good to go, I don't see an issue for the most part. But I'd like to see how that um, wide receiver core kind of works out this week against that Bengals defense. Yeah. My boy, the backup tight end, Caden Smith, he's got COVID, though. So, or he's on the COVID list, at least. Oh, sad day. Yep. We'll see how it plays that So this could actually be a decent game for Evan Ingram as much as I don't like him. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's fair. Bengals have been pretty rough against tight ends this year overall. So Yeah, I think the Giants will have an opportunity like this week to obviously kind of just fine-tune that offense. Obviously with the, the Thursday night games and how they played out, the Giants kind of – I'm not saying this is a must-win, but this will definitely keep them in the playoff picture. Uh, with a win, so we'll see how it plays out for sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to definitely be a, a game to watch. Yep, should be an interesting one for sure. And you said you're going with the Giants? Yeah, I have the Giants for tomorrow. Who do you yeah, have? I'll go with the Giants as well. It's a good choice, I think. Then next up, we got Tennessee and Indianapolis. This game's in Indianapolis, and the Colts are three-point favorites, over-under 51 points. Major injuries for this one that I'm looking at is Roger Saffold, the guard, didn't play last week with an ankle injury, limited practice so far this week for the Titans. A.J. Brown didn't practice with the knee issue. He's kind of had a knee issue all year, honestly, a bone bruise in his knee. I know he did land kind of awkwardly and get hurt on the last play of the game. Not sure if it's related to that or not. They're probably just resting him more than anything. Dennis Kelly, the right tackle, didn't practice with the knee issue. And then on the Colts side, we got Ryan Kelly, the center, didn't practice. He's got a neck issue. Quentin Nelson, the guard, he has got a back and ankle issue. And then their safety, Kari Willis, did not practice with rib and shoulder injuries. I consider those pretty big injuries for the Colts, honestly. Uh, Especially if those two offensive linemen were to miss because they're two of their better offensive linemen overall. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a miss for that offensive line. Because that Colts team is pretty pretty consistent, so we'll see. Limit the mistakes. Last time they played, they gave the Colts pretty much 14 free points. Uh, they did, they dropped a lot of passes. They just need to step up and fine-tune their game. Uh, their defense needs to step up 
and try to create pressure on Phillip Rivers. If, if they're missing some of those offensive linemen, that could be a great opportunity for that. And then, you know, just kind of stay consistent on offense. Give Derrick Henry the ball. Play your play action. Ryan Tannehill was pretty good last week, so see if he can keep that up. On the Colts side, you just want Phillip Rivers to kind of do his thing, be Phillip Rivers. Uh, he didn't practice either this week yet, uh, but I assume it's more of a veteran's rest thing than anything. Then which running back is going to step up for the Colts this week? Two weeks ago, it was Naheem Hines in this matchup. Last week, it was Jonathan Taylor that got most of the workload. Something to watch there. And then Michael Pittman Jr., he's kind of taken over as the number one wide receiver for them. And the last time these two teams played, he had over 120 total yards. So it could be another good game for him. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. It's definitely going to be intriguing to see how he does this time around. I think, honestly, this is going to be very similar to the last two around. Obviously, those missing offensive linemen for the Colts is obviously going to be slightly an issue on the efficiency with the Colts in general. Um, but for me, I think it's the Colts' defensive side of the ball. They're just really good. The last time they uh, they met up against the Titans, Derrick Henry had uh, 19 touches for 103 yards. The real issue was Tannehill. He only had 147 yards passing with a touchdown. So against that third-ranked uh, pass defense, I feel like, in order for the Titans to have a better shot than they did last time when they met up, Derrick Henry's going to need to maintain the type of usage that he had last time, but Tannehill's going to have to play a lot better. I would like to see Tannehill obviously maintain the type of play he did coming from last week. I think it'll be a much closer game uh, than it was last time if he can maintain that. Yeah, and honestly, last time Tannehill didn't play bad, yeah. the wide receivers dropped six passes. That yeah. were like key passes too. Yep, yep. I can 100% agree with it. Uh, obviously, stats don't stat lines obviously don't say much for it, but like Tannehill did miss a few passes. Obviously, wide receiver catching the ball is a huge factor. But that that Titans uh, offense is gonna. I don't want to have to say flawless, but they're gonna have to play very very good football uh, to go up against that Colts defense and give and obviously put a little pressure on Philip Rivers and that Colts offense. Yeah. Uh, so who you got winning this game then? <sighs> It was kind of hard, but to be honest with you, I still have the Colts winning. I know this is going to be for first place in that division, so it's slightly an important game. I just think that the Colts, they're just, they know how to win ugly games, and Titans tend to, to lose really close games regardless of who they're playing against. So I have the Colts winning this one. I'm going to pick the Titans uh, just to be a little bit different. I think they'll come out, they'll play a little bit better than they did last time. If they don't make some of the mistakes. It's going to be a lot closer game than it was last time. If the wide receivers can catch the ball, if A.J. Brown doesn't have three drops once again, I think it's a lot different game. So I think they just kind of clean up some of their play. They did that a little bit against Baltimore, who was a pretty good team as well last week. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think this is definitely going to be a lot closer this time around, but it definitely has the makings for being a play uh, a game of the week this week. Yep. Okay, so the next one we got is the Carolina Panthers and the Minnesota Vikings. This game's in Minneapolis, and the Vikings are three-and-a-half-point favorites, over-under 51 points as well. Uh, and the major injuries in this game, obviously, you got for the Vikings side, Ezra Cleveland once again didn't practice ankle injury. I wouldn't expect him to play. And then for Carolina, we got Russell Okun, limited in practice so far this week. Has that calf injury still that he's been having for a couple weeks now. I honestly can't say he's going to play because he, every time I think he's going to play, he doesn't play. <laughs> that's, and then that's Christian McCaffrey is limited in practice both times this week with that shoulder injury. I assume they're going to hold him out till after the bye week. And then Dennis Daly, a guard, didn't practice this week. He's got a concussion. I wouldn't expect him to play. And then Dante Jackson, one of their corners, has a toe injury. 
Didn't practice, didn't play last week. I don't think he's going to play this week. And then last but not least, we got Adam Thielen, who did test positive for COVID, I believe, yesterday or two days ago. But now he's since tested negative, and if he tests negative up until game day, he'll be able to play. Which will be necessary for that Minnesota team <laughs> to have him yeah. in the lineup, for sure. Yeah, if he doesn't play, it's a big drop-off there. It's true, they just have Jefferson, they're... and obviously they're probably just going to end up feeding Cook most of the game. Yeah, they'd have to start Ola B.C. Johnson at that point, I think. So, But for me, a lot of this game just comes down to the Vikings doing what they do, feeding Cook, running the play action off of that, uh, Kirk Cousins being efficient. Then obviously you got it whether or not Adam Thielen actually does play in this game. Then on Carolina's side, you, it looks like Teddy Bridgewater is going to be back this week. He's practiced in full both days this week. And... Can their defense kind of step up again? You know, they play pretty well against the Lions, held them to zero points. And then Mike Davis, can he step up? Last week was kind of a disappointment versus the Lions defense that should have been a very good matchup for him overall. Yeah, I 100% agree with you on that. I think the pass rush, to be honest with you, is the reason that they beat the Lions last week. Obviously, the Lions are a little beat up, so I'm kind of looking for that Panthers defense to maintain that pass rush. Minnesota on the year right now is minus four on their turnover ratio. They've had 11 interceptions. They've been sacked, you know, 19 some odd times. They've had nine fumbles, five lost. So I feel like if the Panthers can kind of uh, get into that backfield and frustrate Kirk Cousins, that might limit the ability for Cook to obviously play a factor in this. If that, that defense allows them to get three and outs, I think Teddy Bridgewater could help this offense obviously excel. But I, I feel like that's going to be a pretty tall order considering that, you know, Delvin Cook and Derrick Henry are essentially swapping spots going one and two for the running game each year. So each week, excuse me. For me, it's that Panthers defense and then obviously Delvin Cook getting his touches in. Yeah. So who you got winning this game then? I still have the Vikings winning. I feel like Delvin Cook is obviously just too good. I don't see that Panthers defense limiting. I see him having a 100-plus yard game again this week. And with obviously them controlling the game, they're just going to allow for play action. And I think Kirk Cousins usually does take care of the ball. He was obviously struggling early in the season, but he's tended to calm down as the season has progressed. So I do have the Vikings winning. How about you? Yeah, I got the Vikings as well. I think they're just playing better of late. And I don't trust Teddy Bridgewater in his first game back either. Yeah, I think that the offense last week for them looked really good. They looked cohesive and they moved the ball pretty efficiently, I guess. But without that defense and obviously all the injuries on the Lions, I think that game could have been obviously a different result last week. So I agree with you. I think Teddy Bridgewater coming into that lineup can definitely uh, just kind of give him some like cobwebs that he's going to need to kind of take care of. So we'll get moved over to the next one. The next one is the Arizona Cardinals against the Patriots. This game is in New England. Arizona is actually a two-point road favorite in this one, over under a 49 and a half. That might actually be a little bit, though, for this game. We'll have to see, though. Uh, Daryl Daniels, the tight end for the Cardinals, hasn't practiced yet this week with an ankle injury. He did miss last week with that same ankle injury. Jalen Thompson, their safety, didn't practice two times in a row this week with an ankle injury as well. Then on the Patriots' side, they still have Rex Burkhead listed as did not practice. I just assume he's going to be out for the rest of the year. Apparently, I don't know if they've announced a torn ACL or not yet. But. I haven't heard any announcements yet. I just know that he was held out in practice. Um, I tried looking a little deep into it, and I still couldn't find anything. But I feel like your assessment on it is fairly accurate. I can kind of uh, concur with that sentiment on it. J.J. Taylor, 
one of the other running backs, he's got a quad injury. And then Kyle Duggar, the rookie safety, didn't practice with a toe injury. Not sure if any of those guys will end up playing or not, but since the Patriots actually held them out of practice, I, I take it seriously. Yeah. Then for the Patriots side, we just want to see Cam Newton play better once again. Obviously, he got a little bit under pressure last week against the Texans. He didn't play bad by any means, though. And then Damian Harris and Sony Michelle, they need to step up for that running game. I think this could actually be a decent game for James White, especially if the Patriots get behind early. Look for him and uh, Jacoby Myers to kind of take advantage of that. Patriots defense obviously have to step up and try to contain Kyler Murray. Then on the Cardinals side, we got Kyler Murray. He's still got that little bit of a shoulder injury. Uh, should affect him throwing the deep ball a little bit. He's been limited in practice, but he's going to play. Then their defense, can they get pressure on Cam Newton like the Texans did last week? Vance Joseph does like the blitz pretty often, so we'll have to see if they can do that effectively. And then are they going to be able to run the ball against the Patriots? Because the Cardinals have been pretty hit or miss at running the ball so far this year. And the Patriots have allowed quite a bit of yards to the running back position overall. That's actually kind of crazy. It's going to be interesting to see how both of these teams uh, correlate their RPOs against each defense. Cardinals, in particular, they're ranked 23rd against the run. They're relying 4.6 yards per carry. And against uh, Cam Newton in that offense, obviously with Burkhead being out, like we discussed, it's kind of like a big hit. So obviously uh, Harris seeing if he can shoulder that load a little bit, um, see if he can obviously help Cam. Cam does have an arm. Uh, he They obviously chose to use it last week against the Texans. He threw for 365 yards. So, I mean, that's obviously no small feat. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Kyler Murray with his shoulder – issues kind of play out i'd obviously see the cardinals winning this game um i don't think it's going to be a close one but however with the patriots i never really count them out especially with bill belichick in that offense uh, cam's actually been looking pretty good even though you know he's still only got four touchdowns with seven interceptions obviously they've been focusing more on the run with him so i see them persisting they can control the run game a little bit i think the patriots will make this a lot closer than it that it should be yeah, so you're picking the Cardinals then? Yes, I am definitely picking the Cardinals. <laughs> like you kind of said, it would be interesting too because these are two of the better running teams in the NFL, and both their defenses aren't great against the run. Yeah, I don't see this being a high-scoring game. I definitely think that you're going to see very unique offenses, uh, just how they're going to line up. I think both of these uh, coaches obviously feel like both teams have intentions on running. So either either they could come out and surprise, and this could be like a high-scoring shootout between Cam and Kyler, which would obviously be a long shot, but I definitely think that the run games are going to be uh, highlighted in this game. You, I'm going to pick the Patriots. I think their defense steps up in this one. I don't think Kyler's going to be able to throw the ball down the field, and I think that's going to hurt them quite a bit. I can see that. The last note we have for this game, too, is that Larry Fitzgerald was put on the reserve COVID list, so that means he won't be playing this week. Uh, Larry Legend, the Hall of Famer himself. Be interesting for that offense for sure. He's kind of like a go-to guy in the slot for uh, Kyler, so I agree. It'll definitely hinder their offense, but when you got Hopkins down there, it's obviously pass game should be okay. Just toss it up to him. LOL. Well, it'll be interesting to see who they use in the slot then, whether it's Christian Kirk or – yeah. Andy Isabella or Keyshawn Johnson or even Hopkins, some play more in the slot. Yeah, for sure. 
Then we'll move over to the next game, and this is uh, – I'm not excited about this game at all, honestly. The Miami Dolphins against the New York Jets. They are playing in New York. Miami is somehow a seven-point road favorite in this game. I don't see I get they've had a better record, but both these teams are not good. Like They're both bad. At scoring points, at least. But last week was the first time Miami has failed to score 23 points since week one, I believe. And last week they had 13 points. But the over-under on this game is 44.5. I could see it going under for sure. I think it's one of the lowest scoring game or lowest implied point totals for the week. Honestly, the injuries in this game, we got George Fant for the Jets. He's the right tackle. He's got a knee and an ankle issue, hasn't practiced yet. Salvin Ahmed for the Dolphins that's been their running back leader and touches the last three weeks, has a shoulder injury, hasn't practiced yet this week. The right guard, Solomon Kinley, didn't practice. I believe he had a foot injury. In this game, I'm looking at can Joe Flacco kind of keep up the little bit of success he's had on offense, being able to stretch the ball down the field. Frank Gore's going to be the lead running back, so he's probably going to get 20 touches. Can he do anything with it? We know we obviously know Frank Gore is no spring chicken anymore. And then can this Jets defense get pressure on Tua? And you got Greg Williams, who loves to blitz. And if he gets some of these blitzes hitting on Tua and rattling, this could be a very interesting game. For Miami side, we got Tua. Obviously, last week he didn't play well. He got sacked six times got benched. He's dealing with a little bit of a thumb injury, too, I guess. Sore thumb sprain or something like that. Not sure the exact details of it. But we're going to be looking at the running back situation for them. If Salad Ahmed can't go, then who's going to be the guy? Miles Gaskin did return to practice this week, but no guarantee that he does play. So you could be looking at Matt Breida, DeAndre Washington, and Patrick Laird if Ahmed and Gaskin is both out. And then can Miami's defense bounce back? Last week they were not very good against the run. They weren't able to create turnovers, and that really hurt them. Yeah, for sure. That defense against the run has been allowing 4.8 yards per carry, which ranks 27th. So it's going to be interesting to see if they step up this week because they're going to need to because the Jets offense is just going to feed Frank Gore. I think 20 – 20 touches minimum uh, for this game. But I think I remember I actually wrote you and I said I was actually having a hard time picking this game um, just because mm-hmm. of how the matchup is. Tua is, isn't really good moving the ball, so I don't know if his injury is going to really affect him. But that might make him a lateral. And they're obviously their run game hasn't been that great as well uh, down with the Dolphins. But that defense is actually done pretty decent. But unfortunately, that defense is weakness is the pretty much the only weapons that the Jets have on offense. So I think Frank Gore gets a lot of touches this week, and I feel like if the Jets are going to win this game, which they have a very good chance of doing, they're going to need to feed Frank Gore. And then obviously Flacco's going to need to be able to just maintain uh, obviously good possessions. I think he's had five touchdowns since in the last couple, like last two weeks or so. So I feel like he's doing pretty good at just obviously filling in that role while Sam Darnold's out. So. I feel like this game is going to be a snooze fest, but I feel like if the Jets – Jets do have a pretty good chance of winning this game. So who are you going to pick for this game? I am reluctantly picking the Dolphins um, just because of that defense, and I feel like, like you said, Frank Gore is no, no spring chicken. So either Frank Gore gets a 100-yard game or Frank Gore is going to get fed 20 times and have like 40 yards. So I think leaning on that Dolphins defense winning this game is going to eventually what, what sets us off. To, to the Dolphins winning it. Who do you have winning? Yeah. I'm going to pick the Jets. 
In my normal league, I actually picked the Jets to win this week, but I think the Dolphins will squeeze out by less than a possession, maybe like a field goal or maybe seven points. I think if the Dolphins win, it's because Tua gets benched again. Fitzmagic is actually fantastic. <laughs> so I was obviously you and I had a conversation when he got benched for Tua, how we both felt pretty much the exact same for that. If Tua does okay in this game, like if you think about it, he's done a pretty decent job so far of coming in. So it could be interesting, but this game's going to be really close for sure. See, my thing with Tua is he's thrown some pretty bad interceptions, but he's got really lucky. One of them's got overturned, another one, one was dropped, and then last week it was a penalty away from the ball yep. that got called on the defense. So he really should have three interceptions that were really bad passes in the last three games. But I think maybe this is the game he finally gets caught, you know, with his hand in the cookie jar, essentially. Yeah, I can definitely see that for sure. Like I said, this is and, pretty much a coin flip game, man. And then if, you know, Greg Williams is able to scheme up some pressure, then I think it's going to be a bad game for Tua. Okay, so we'll get moved over to the next one. And that's Cleveland and Jacksonville. This game's in Jacksonville. Cleveland's seven-point favorites, over under a 49-and-a-half. This game could actually hit under pretty easily, uh, the way Cleveland likes to play, run, run the ball a lot, and Jacksonville hasn't looked too good. Honestly, Cleveland doesn't really have any major injury concerns this week. And then on Jacksonville's side, I mainly just got LaVisca Chanel with his hamstring issue. If he plays or not, he hasn't played the last two weeks. I don't even know if I'd expect him to play this week, but if he does, cool. If he doesn't, also cool. I don't think it makes too big a difference, honestly. And then Tyler Eifert, the tight end, uh, he was limited participant in practice, but he's dealing with a little bit of concussion issue as well. If he clears protocol, he will obviously play. On Jacksonville's side, I'm really just looking at how's Mike Glennon do as the starter. Obviously, he's the third quarterback to start for them this year. Can they feed James Robinson the ball and be effective with it? And then who's Glennon actually, like, ended up throwing the ball to? Can he get G DJ Chark going in this game? Can he get the other wide receivers going? And then can Jacksonville's defense actually step up and stop the run? I don't think so, but we'll see. And then on Cleveland's side, we got Chubb and Hunt. I think they're going to both have a good game, run all over Jacksonville. And I think Baker is going to be efficient, but a lot of it just comes down to his efficiencies, throwing off the play action. Should be a pretty good game for Cleveland overall. And then can their defense step up and play well once again? The only other note I have on Cleveland is they did have a positive COVID test today and shut down their facility. We'll have to see if that impacts this game at all. It'll definitely be interesting, but I completely agree with you on this. One of two things are going to happen. Cleveland, either this will be the game where Baker Mayfield can kind of shoulder that load and obviously not allow Chubb or Hunt to obviously shoulder that load. I can see this being the game where Baker Mayfield just kind of goes off like he did earlier in the year. It's just a softer defense, um, so I feel like he could have that potential. If not, look for Chubb, obviously, and Hunt to just kind of maintain what they've been doing, which has been pretty much Cleveland's game plan. And then, obviously, for uh, the Jags, uh, it's obviously going to be an uphill battle. Mike Lennon will be interesting. I think he's going to be a step up for the offensive play there at quarterback. Uh, but they're going to still need to feed Robinson. I, I anticipate him maybe having anywhere between 15 to 20 feeds this game. It'll be interesting to see how his production affects the outcome of the game. Yeah. So I'm going to be picking Cleveland. I assume you're probably going to be picking Cleveland as well. Yes, that is accurate. I just think that they're the better team all around. And Jacksonville just they, – they need a lot of help. 
Um, and they're just not that great against the run. And obviously with two of the, some of the best running backs in football right now, obviously aside from Las Vegas, I, I think this is going to be a pretty easy week for them. Yep. So we'll get over to the next game. Next game is Baltimore and Pittsburgh. They don't have a lineup for this game right now on ESPN, so I don't have anything down for that. Not many major actual injuries in this one. Jimmy Smith had didn't practice, had an ankle injury. He's been out for a little while now. He's the quarterback for the Ravens. Obviously, the biggest news in this game in regards to players missing is the COVID on the Baltimore side. That's why this game got pushed back in the first place. Lamar Jackson did test positive today, so it looks like we're going to be seeing some RG3. We're going to be seeing Gus Edwards and Justice Hill in the backfield now that J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram both have COVID as well. And then they're going to be missing, I believe, offensive linemen, a center maybe as well. Uh, it's going to be rough for Baltimore, honestly. So we're going to see if they can step up in the absence of all these players. I don't really think it's going to happen. They'd have to rely a lot on their defense really stepping up to carry the offense. And then on Pittsburgh's side, can Pittsburgh just pretty much not lose this game? Can they be efficient like they've been doing? And can their defense, you know, really contain Baltimore that is honestly a full backups right now? Yeah, I think you and I talked, I think it was Monday this week, about how close this game was going to be. And as the week progressed, the COVID uh, issues, obviously, following through from last week, changed the outcome of this game completely. Steelers, this was going to be the biggest hump uh, finishing their season potentially undefeated. But obviously, with everyone that's out for COVID right now, I don't see this game being as close as it was going into this week. So I agree with you 100%. Who's going to step up for that Ravens offense now? Um, last time, they only lost by four. I just think they're going to have issues moving the ball. Obviously, RG3 coming in, he's going to be interesting against uh, that Steelers' number one defense. Uh, last time around, I believe they the Steelers had four sacks. The, pretty much, they didn't allow for any run game to even be persistent. I anticipate the Steelers' defense to play at that number one status this week, especially against pretty much backups on the Ravens' side for the offense. And again, for the offense, uh, for the Steelers, I see them just kind of maintaining what they do. Big Ben, as you and I have spoke about in the past, has done a really good job of just maintaining consistency to guarantee the Steelers' wins. They've obviously had a few close ones beginning of the year. I think that just helped build character for them. I might anticipate Connor seeing how he plays this week. Uh, he had a pretty decent week last week. Let's see if he can maintain going forward with that. But um, I originally had the Ravens winning this game, but I really think the Steelers obviously have been handed this game this week. So I assume that's who you're picking as well, Craig. Yeah, I'm picking the Steelers as well. It's kind of interesting you mentioned Connor as well. They have talked about giving some of the other backs a couple more carries in the next couple weeks, probably just to keep Connor fresh and healthy more than anything going into the playoffs. Yeah, that's probably what they're what they're thinking. Obviously, I felt like he did a pretty good job last week, but maintaining their undefeated season going in, that's obviously shouldering the work from, obviously, their players on that side of the ball. So this might be a good game to give maybe a Connor a small break or just at least help shoulder the load in the backfield there. See, see, what, see what you have going into the playoffs. Like, I think they kind of have the playoffs in mind, but obviously the NFL, a lot of teams take it week to week, but you can't look at their season so far. And, I mean, like we said last week, they they play like a 10-0 and team. They feel like they should be undefeated because of how they're playing. So I feel like they have a really, I don't want to say ego, but they're very confident in what they're going to be doing week in and week out. I think they just maintain that this week. 
Yeah, and a lot of that comes down, you know, just the coaching staff. They got good coaches that have been there for a long time too as well. Uh, whether it's Mike Tomlin, whether it's offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, you know, all the people they've had in that organization have been there for quite some time. So just that continuity, and especially in a season like this, it means a lot more. You see the teams like them. You see teams like Kansas City. They're the ones that are doing the best because they have that continuity. That's very accurate. I think it's Ebron. I think he posted on social media this week. He was talking about how the Steelers team is different than any team he's ever played on, that he genuinely feels like this team is like a family. They know what each other's thinking. They're finishing each other's sentences. They're, they just know where each other's going to be on the field at any given moment. They know when someone's struggling. They know how to pick up slack in certain areas. Uh, and I just – I completely agree with his assessment. The Steelers team is definitely a different team, and I think you're correct 100%. Mike Tomlin's a very underrated coach going into this season. And I think that he was kind of overlooked, obviously, with the play of Mason Rudolph at quarterback last year. So having Big Ben and having Mike Tomlin just helping lead that team as a whole, it's been pretty nice. And obviously stepping up with the defense side of the ball, that you, you can't argue with how they do things there in Pittsburgh. Yeah, honestly, it's just one of them things. When they have guys on their team, they always find a way to put them in the best position to succeed, pretty much. 100% accurate. 100% accurate. Mm-hmm. And it's like something that you just don't see anymore. Like like Sean Payton, obviously, as long as he's been there, and obviously Andy Reid's kind of been at Kansas City for a moment now. Like those, those coaches that get into whether they're there for a half decade or a decade, they can definitely like change not just – the continuity in the locker room, but just the philosophy of how that offense and defense runs and how, you know, obviously how they succeed week in and week out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we'll get over to the next game, and that's uh, the Saints. You were just talking about Sean Payton there, but uh, the Saints and <laughs> Broncos. This game is in Denver. The Saints are six-point road favorites. I honestly don't think they should be six-point road favorites. I think this game is actually going to be pretty close. Over-under is 43-and-a-half, so I think this is actually the lowest implied point total for the week. But the Saints, injuries-wise, I just got two major notes. Saints, Andrews Pete, their guard, he has a concussion, hasn't practiced yet this week. I would expect him to miss. And then Jerry Judy, he was limited yesterday and didn't practice today. Ankle-slash-Achilles injury, it says. Uh, so we'll just have to see. He's been banged up multiple times this year and just been limited in practice, but he always ends up playing. And then Drew Locke and Noah Fant both practiced in full both days this week. So that's a good sign for them. They both had that rib injuries. Uh, but on Denver's side, we're going to be looking at Drew Locke. Can he play efficient? Last week he was pretty good outside of the first drive. Like a lot of it's just going to come down to if they can run the ball against the Saints. And then can Denver's defense play like they did last week where they stepped up, they put pressure on Tua, and honestly, they played pretty well. But last week was pretty much the first time all season that that Denver defense was pretty much a whole collective unit and had everybody out there outside of Von Miller and Jarrell Casey, obviously, because they're both done for the year. But besides those two guys, they've had pretty much their full complement of starters for once. And then on the Saints side, you got obviously you got Taysom Hill. In his second career start, is he going to be able to play as well as he did last week, or is he going to have some mistakes along the way? Obviously, Denver's a little bit better defense than Atlanta is. Uh, And then can that Saints defense continue their dominance? And then just kind of Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, how are they going to be involved in this game? Are they going to continue to feed Michael Thomas, or are they going to try to get Alvin Kamara a little bit more involved as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think this game's going to be close. I'm going to be honest with you. I see that Saints kind of running away with this. 
The reason why is because of that Saints defense, like you said, they've been playing lights out. They've only allowed 14.4 points per game since week six, uh, which is just kind of crazy talk for defense. If the Broncos get behind early, they're obviously going to have to rely on Drew Luck's arm, which obviously has not been up to snub as to uh, for this week or any week for that matter. I don't think that he'll have a, an effect in this game. So obviously I want the Broncos running backs to kind of help step up to kind of shoulder that load a little bit, make this game a lot closer, force Taysom Hill to have to pass. He had a couple under through last week. I feel like this defense is a lot better than the defense they played last week with Atlanta. However, I, I see Taysom Hill kind of just taking off this week. I feel like in the second half of that game, he kind of settled down. A lot of his mistakes were in the first when obviously he was just trying to gain chemistry and help understand the offense a little bit more efficiently. But like you said, that, that pass defense for the Broncos, they've been doing pretty well. They've only allowed 224.8 yards per game attempted or allowed, excuse me. So I feel like if they get more pressure on Taysom Hill, it'll frustrate him as well. So I feel like if this game comes down to defense and the Saints just – they have a better defense completely. I feel like if the Saints are close going into the third, I think the Broncos might have a shot at winning. But if they get a decent lead going out early, it's just going to really frustrate that uh, Broncos offense. I think the Saints are going to win, but I think this is going to be a very close game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout like you're saying. I think both these teams are going to play very controlled, conservative offenses and then kind of rely on defensive play more than anything. So I think – Honestly, this could be a game that ends up, you know, being a 20 to 17 type of game. I can understand that. For me, I think, like, I think the separation this week will will be obviously how they utilize the running backs with Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill obviously has the ability to take off. And so, they like, last week they really didn't get Alvin Kamara into the system very well. I think he either had one target or no targets, if I remember correctly. Uh, Latavius Murray looked pretty decent in the run game. So for me, I think if they get Alvin Kamara involved in the pass game along with Taysom Hill, I think like, I, th I seriously think the Saints could win by probably maybe two scores or at least two possessions, whether it's 10 points or 14, I think is irrelevant. Um, a win's a win, but yeah, I, th I think I agree with you. I think the Saints win this game for sure. I, I, I have little faith in Drew Locke. I think I spoke highly of him one time and it was after the week that he threw 300 and some odd yards and had four touchdowns like when he actually looked like a decent quarterback. It's just like you said, with his ribs being injured the way they are coming in, he's a little beat up. I just, I don't see him doing very well against that Saints defense. And I think Taysom Hill is all around a better quarterback than Drew Luck is. But I can understand your assessment for sure. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you just look at the numbers last week, you'd be like, oh, Drew Locke didn't play that well. But yeah. he actually played fairly well last week. And Pat Shermer, the offensive coordinator, he put – their team in a position to be effective and win. So. Yeah, I can agree with that 100%. Obviously, it's the NFL, so they should obviously be able to win every single week if they can. Yeah, so the next game we got is San Francisco and the Los Angeles Rams. This game is in Los Angeles. The Rams are six-and-a-half-point favorites, over-under a 45-and-a-half. Well, those numbers are probably about right, honestly. Injury-wise, there's only a couple things I'm really looking at. Dre Greenlaw and... Jordan Reed both had an illness and didn't practice. Monitor that situation. The Greenlaw's out, obviously, one of their top linebackers. Jordan Reed's their tight end. And then on the Rams side, Tyler Higby didn't practice with an elbow injury. And obviously, he's their top tight end. Then the other thing for the 49ers just to keep an eye out for is Richard Sherman, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson Jr., and Tevin Coleman all returned to practice. So we'll have to see if, if any or all of them play. Yeah, that might be interesting for sure. 
This will be an interesting yeah, game to come back in for sure. I don't know what I would do in their situation, to be honest with you, with all those players coming back, whether they want to actually play or not. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it would just be depend on the next couple of days of practice too, because Mostert's coming back off a high ankle sprain, Wilson's coming back off a high ankle sprain, and Coleman's coming back off a knee injury. I would expect probably two of those running backs to play this week, but I'm not sure which two off the top of my head. We'll have to see how that plays out. Obviously, if they get Mostert back, if they get Wilson back, it could be a big boost to their offense that's been pretty stagnant. Uh, Debo Samuel could be back as well this week. Brandon Ayuk is on the COVID list, though, so he won't be playing. Uh, there's a lot of factors that go into the for the 49ers, but honestly, at the end of the day, it's still going to come down to the arm of Nick Mullins, and I don't think he's going to be able to pull it off. That 49ers defense is going to have to play a big role in this one. Obviously, the Rams' defense has played very well this season. If they can get pressure on Nick Mullins, I don't think this is a contest. Uh, Jared Goff, he's played fairly well recently. He's made a couple mistakes here and there, but he's done enough to give his team the position to win. And then I think they're going to try to get that running game going a lot in this game as compared to last week against Tampa. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that the only way that the 49ers have a shot at this game is obviously with their run game. Uh, Mullins doesn't – he's just not a reliable arm. He's obviously a back of the NFL for a reason. Garoppolo is obviously the primary in this offense. It's kind of built around the way he can kind of gunsling. In order for the 49ers to maintain or make this game close, they're going to have to lean on that run offense, which have been averaging – I'm sorry, Mozart's been averaging like 75 and 8 yards per game. So if that run game can get going against literally the best run defense in the NFL, I don't see it happening. But the Rams defense is only allowed 3.9 yards per carry, and they're only allowing 91.3 yards for rushing per game. So I see that Rams defense obviously doing what they do. If they get uh, get to Mullins, which they're going to do with Aaron Donald in that offense, they're going to frustrate him. I don't see this game being very close. They can keep it close if they get it get after uh, Jared Goff. Um, obviously, when he's in the pocket, he, he's a lot more efficient and he can move the ball uh, pretty accurately. But if they get after Goff, they could maybe make it a game. But there's always been one game every single week where we're like, how is this happening right now? This has the makings for that, obviously being a divisional game. So I, I just think that the Rams take this game. But division games, who knows? Yeah, I got the Rams winning as well. I don't think there's – Really too much more to say about this game. Honestly, there's a lot of ways it could go, but I think the Rams end up winning pretty much every single time. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think the Niners are just too banged up. Their season's kind of a wash as it is. I'm not saying this is a must-win for the Rams, but definitely the 49ers are not a team you want to overlook. Yep. Uh, But the next game we got could be a little bit interesting, honestly, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This game is in Tampa. The Chiefs are three-and-a-half-point road favorites. Over-under is 55-and-a-half. And the injuries in this game we got are mainly on the Tampa side. And Jamel Dean did not practice. He's got a concussion. I don't think he's going to clear protocol. I don't think he'll end up playing. That's kind of a big deal in this game since Kansas City plays with multiple wide receivers. They got Travis Kelsey, obviously. Uh, Dean would probably be the guy you put on Kelsey, so I think that's really a big deal. IAQ Shipley, uh, one of the offensive linemen, he's got a neck injury, hasn't practiced this week. Donovan Smith, the left tackle, ankle injury, hasn't practiced this week either. He did get hurt in last week's game, but then he came back and played. Uh, we'll have to see if he's able to play this week, though. If he doesn't play, that's a big deal for them, big, big loss, and I think that's going to be a big issue for Brady against that Chiefs defense that likes to blitz a lot and put pressure on the quarterback. Uh, but to me, this game... There's a lot in the favor of Kansas City 
they are able to throw the ball deep. Tampa Bay's defense, his weakness is getting beat over the top. Uh, Tom Brady is good when he's not under pressure. When he's under pressure, he struggles. And Kansas City's defense, that's what they do. They blitz pretty much as much as anybody in the NFL. Steve Spagnola, he picks and chooses his blitzes all the time. He's good at getting pressure on the quarterbacks. And if he can do that on Brady, I don't even think this game's close. Yeah, I think I wrote you earlier about that this week just because, like, we were discussing, I thought that this might be the second loss for the Chiefs this year. Obviously, I think the worst matchup for the Chiefs this season is obviously playing Las Vegas twice. They kind of seem to have their number. But outside of those two games specifically, I think that the Bucks have the best chance of obviously defeating them. But you are 100% correct on this. Both of those pass offices are literally ranked number one and number two in the NFL currently right now. They both have equal amounts of offensive weaponry. I feel like the run game is a little bit more efficient with the Kansas City side of the ball. So that'll be definitely intriguing to see if uh, Pat McCombs, obviously, if they go just straight with his arm or allow for those run games to obviously do what they need to do. On the Tampa Bay side for the rushing, obviously, uh, between Ronald Jones and Fournette, they do a pretty decent job of helping move that ball. I feel like both of these offenses are capable of maybe getting into a time of possession kind of battle, I guess you could say. Tom Brady likes to keep games close. He likes to lean on his defense, which obviously Tampa Bay's defense is pretty much lights out there. I think they're ranked ninth overall. Uh, they're allowing 310 yards uh, per game. If Kansas City can limit the rush game with Tampa Bay and force Tom Brady to feel uncomfortable, I think you're 100% correct on that assessment. I think the Chiefs can pull up the win on this one, but I think it's going to be a really close game. Who'd you have winning this game? Uh, I had Kansas City. Who'd you have? I had Kansas City as well. I just don't remember if you had said or not. So yeah. Either way. All right, next one. Yeah, so we'll get over to the next one. That's your, that. This is your game. We got the Bears. Bears. We got the Bears and the Packers. Oddly enough, there wasn't a line on his pin for this game. Not sure why, but the only real injuries in this game was Akeem Hicks, defensive lineman for the Bears, did not practice hamstring injury. I'm not sure if he'll end up playing or not. He did get hurt the last time they played, but he's had two weeks to get better from it as well. And then Nick Foles hasn't practiced yet this week. He's got a hip injury. They already came out and said Trubisky's going to start. Trubisky's been a full participant in practice this week. Not sure that's a good thing for the Bears, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> and then on the Packers' side, your your buddy uh, Josh Jackson hasn't practiced. He's got a concussion. Oh, Josh Jackson. And then, <laughs> Not a fan of him. In this game, pretty much just looking, can Aaron Rodgers be an Aaron Rodgers? Does the Packers defense step up and limit the Bears offense? That's not very good. I think this is the game maybe Aaron Jones kind of takes over. I know the Bears have a good defense, but it's been a couple of weeks since Aaron Jones has really got going all the way, you know. And with Hicks potentially out, the Aaron Jones is definitely going to be someone that they're going to need to lean on because that's definitely going to hinder their defensive line play, which will obviously help open up the run game for us, whether it be Williams, Jones, or whoever it is, you know. Yep. And then on the Bears' side, obviously Mitchell Trubisky is going to start at quarterback, so we'll see if he got any better sitting on the sidelines or not. Uh, and then the Bears' offensive line is still pretty much just as bad as it's ever been all year, so I don't expect too much from them. David Montgomery is going to be back this week, so that should help them out a little bit, hopefully in the run game, catching some balls out of the backfield, but I don't think it's really going to make a difference on their offense. And then, obviously, you got the Bears' defense. They're, they got the tall task of trying to limit the Packers' uh, points in this game. 
Yeah, I think this is actually going to be a really close game, if I'm going to be honest with you. Um, Bears always play us pretty nicely every year. If you look back over the last 10 years, I'm pretty sure all every time we play them, regardless if it's in the playoffs or not, it's within one possession. Um, I think only two times, maybe three at max over the last 10 years, uh, has it been outside of a one-possession game. So I feel like this might be a game to pay attention to this week. Uh, the NFC Div- North Division, obviously, it's kind of always a bloodbath. I see that being very similar to this. Like you said, David Montgomery's back. So if the Bears lean on him, which I anticipate them doing with Trubisky in now, instead of Nick Foles, he's going to need to have a good game, which the Packers' defense is terrible at best against the run. So pardon me, that defense for Green Bay, obviously, is going to need to really step up and limit the run game uh, because they're going to lean on David Montgomery with Trubisky being in. Uh, on the Packers' side, it, just don't turn over the ball. Like if you take away the four turnovers last week, if – they scored on two of those. Green Bay would have won by at minimum 10 to 12 points and overtime wouldn't have happened. So just learn to take care of the ball on all three phases of it. And obviously getting getting towards Trubisky. I see the pass rush stepping up this week. I want to see the Packers defense kind of live up to the hype that they can maintain, whether it be Kenny Clark, Zadarius Smith. I'd like to see Preston Smith actually try to get his nose in there a little bit. He's been lackluster this year, obviously not living up to his contract. So yeah. I think the Packers win this game, but that defense is going to need to step up, and David Montgomery is going to have to have a good game for the Bears to have a shot. Yeah, uh, Preston Smith's been a little bit better in recent weeks. He had a couple sacks the last couple of games. So, But if you look at his comparison in numbers of last year, moving into this year, it's obviously not nearly the production that he's had. Mm-hmm. Um, he might be a cap hit in the offseason this year, but he, honestly, the Smith brothers, when they get going, you're right. They're, they're pretty difficult to be maintained. I thought Lazarius Smith was going to win. I thought Zadarius Smith, excuse me, was going to uh, obviously end the game when they got the strip on uh, Philip Rivers last week, preceding going into overtime. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how that pass rush steps up this week. Yeah, and I think a lot of it just came down to with Preston Smith is the Packers transitioning from more of that traditional 3-4 to the 3-3-5 look. So I think that's kind of impacted him a little bit more because they've used him more as a – I don't even know how to say it, but more like an actual linebacker instead of just a like edge rush player. That's true. And with with the other, obviously, Smith brother in, in the lineup, they use him very similar, like we've said in the past, to utilizing how Clay Matthews was used. And that usually, obviously, being that three three five defense is the only blitzer. And obviously, if Zadarius Smith is the one going after the quarterback and they're utilizing the three down linemen to, to create that pressure, that puts him in the pass game. And I know that he's done a really good job of pass deflections when he drops, like makes the illusion that he's going to obviously mm-hmm. try to, to go after the quarterback or get into the backfield in general. Um, when he drops into coverage, he they, they tend to not notice him there for some reason, which is very awesome. I think Green Bay uh, referred to that as the elephant position at one point because they mm-hmm. created that position when uh, Julius Peppers was there. You're right. I feel like his lack of production has been scheme-orientated. And again, like I said, I just see him being a cap hit. So I feel like they've been trying to utilize the safety position with the depth that they have there, utilizing them in a more linebacker scenario, just getting a little quicker on defense to allow for more like lane orientation when it comes to blitzing packages. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can obviously step up this week for sure, because we're going to need it. We really are. Yep. Who do you have winning? By the way, I got a Packers winning. I think it's going to be a pretty easy one for them. Obviously, I think you have the Packers winning as well, but you think it's going to be a little bit closer game? Yeah, I think it's going to be a one-possession game for sure. That Bears defense is a lot better than what they get credit for. Don't look at their statistics because they're they're really good. It's kind of like how you pay attention to 
the Raiders against Kansas City. Like, it's just a good game. Or Cardinals against Seahawks, you know. Like, division games are always just kind of slobber knockers. And these two in particular have – it's been that way for 100-plus series games. So, I think it'll be a, a definite game to pay attention to this week. But I'm not just saying that because I'm a Packers fan. Like, I legitimately feel like it's going to be a good game. We'll get to the next one, though. That's Seattle and Philadelphia. I got this game is in Philadelphia. Seattle's five-point road favorites. And the over-under is 50 in this game. So get, let me get this straight. Seattle's only five-point road favorites in this game, but Miami's seven-point road favorites against the Jets? I don't get that one. That makes mathematically makes zero sense. Mm-hmm. The injuries for this game, I got the right tackle for Seattle. Shell or Snell uh, did not practice ankle injury. And then their center, Posich, is supposed to be back in this game. So that will be a big deal. If you remember correctly, Damian Lewis had to move over to center last game for the Seahawks. And it was kind of a rough game for him because he's traditionally a guard. Yep. And it's a different position. Like when you're playing guard, tackle, center, like if anyone that pays attention to the trenches, it can be rather difficult because the mechanics are different completely. Yep. And especially considering he's a rookie in the NFL. So it's hard enough being a rookie guard. Now they're saying, hey, will you go play center? Yeah, and the offense kind of – that that entire line schematics goes through the center. So I wonder if they're going to uh, allow him to shoulder that decision-making process or not. Well, be interesting. they got uh, Postis, the other center, back this week at least. So well, that's good, that, should, that should make a big deal. And then Lewis can go back to guard, so – should help Hopefully. them out quite a bit. And then whoever was playing guard probably end up playing right tackle. So <laughs> a lot of moving pieces there. But, you know, you got Russell Wilson, so it all works out in the end. For sure. Uh, Seattle side, we're looking at the running back situation. Looks like Chris Carson could be back this week. Uh, fingers crossed. Yeah. Don't get too, your high, hopes up too high on that, though, because we thought that for a couple weeks now. If he doesn't play, Chris Car- or um, Carlos Hyde, Looked pretty good last week, and it should be a decent matchup for either one of them if they're able to kind of add some balance to that offense. I think it's going to help Russell Wilson out a lot, kind of neutralize the pass rush of the Eagles. Then Seattle's defense, they played better last week. They they stepped up when they needed to do so. If they can do that this week, could be a very, very good game for them. On the Eagles' side, we got Carson Wentz. He's been pretty bad this year, to put it lightly, and – this should be a good matchup for him, but it's probably a matchup they're going to be down. He's probably going to have to throw the ball a lot, and if he keeps making some of the mistakes he has, this game's probably not even going to be close. Doug Peterson kind of came out and said pretty much that if Wentz is not very good in this game again, he could be benched next week. So it'll be interesting uh, if that lights a fire under him or not. It'll be interesting to see if they get Miles Sanders is more involved in this game, running the ball. He is a very talented player, so you got to give him the ball as much as you can. He hasn't been used in the passing game almost at all in, like, the last four games. And it's really interesting because he's not a bad pass catcher by any means either. And then Philadelphia's defense is definitely going to have to step up and try to limit the points that Seattle is able to put up on the board. Yeah, I think th- I think it's very intriguing that, that why they haven't used Miles Sanders. Uh, to be honest with you, he's probably one of the better playmakers on that offense for Philadelphia. Uh, he's only had one game this year where he had 20 touches. So I, 
I think that the Eagles will have a better shot on offense and it'll take some of the load off of the shoulder for Wentz if they just keep feeding Miles Sanders and allowing him to get that 20 plus touches a game. Obviously with it only reaching one time, that makes it really difficult for Carson Wentz, especially that offensive line. Wentz has been sacked 40 times on the year already with the pasty that comes with, uh, with the Seahawks, obviously Dunlap last week had an insane week. I think that they can maintain that this week and get after Wentz. So I think they're going to need to, to kind of lean on Miles Sanders a little bit. If they do end up shutting off Miles Sanders, that Seahawks defense is ranked uh, 32nd overall, just specifically with pasty, but their rush defense is actually ranked fourth overall. They're only allowing 3.6 yards per carry. So it's definitely going to be difficult for them to utilize him in the run. So I feel like you're right. I feel like they need to utilize them a lot more efficiently in the pass game for sure. Yeah. Uh, so you want to hear an interesting stat? Sure. Everybody says the Eagles offensive line has played so badly and everything, right? Because Carson Wentz is getting sacked so much. But Miles Sanders ha- is averaging over three yards a carry before first contact. So they're they're doing very good at run blocking. Uh, pass blocking has been a different story. A little bit of that has been Carson Wentz holding on the ball for too long as well. Oh, for, sure. So. for sure. I can 100% agree with that. I just think... That, that, that stat line in particular just proves a point that, I mean, if you it's really difficult to pass a ball when you're running for your life after a three-step drop. Mm-hmm. I'm not obviously saying that Wentz is, you know, not at fault for some of these sacks because you're right. There's been certain games where he held onto the ball way too long. Like he had, had made a one or two read and then just kind of broke down what he was doing and started running. Um, and and of, obviously, of course, he's made a lot of terrible decisions when he does get under pressure. There was those two weeks where he had like, I think it was like two or three interceptions and all three of them were like, what are you doing? Like, why would you even throw this? I think you and I discussed this last week a little bit. I think that he just needs a new home, a different spot. I have the Seahawks obviously winning this game, but it's going to come down to Miles Sanders. Carson Wentz not turning over the football. <clears throat> and obviously that that defense kind of limiting Russell Wilson. I, it'll be interesting to see with, with Hyde obviously still in the lineup if Carson can't go, whether, you know, DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett obviously have good games. Um, Metcalf has been kind of hit or miss when he's paired up or having to actually play against a good corner in the league. He hasn't been able to kind of excel past what he's been anticipated to do. So I think Tyler Lockett will see most of the shots again this week in that offense for Seattle. But I think the Seahawks – take this one by a mile just because I feel like the Eagles are just kind of letting their season slip away. Yep. And like I said, with my point is just, it's really interesting to see that the line has excelled at run blocking and struggled at pass blocking too. So it's just like, there's a disconnect between some, but if you're been that good at running the ball when Miles Sanders has actually been the running back in the game, you need to lean on that more. Like you should probably be giving him 25 carries a game instead of 16. Yeah, and that comes down to Pearson obviously having a better game as a coach. Like, put your players in a situation to succeed. You, we, we both took Seattle. Uh, so, overall, what's your game or game of the week? I have a few that obviously we need to look at. Um, obviously, that Chiefs-Bucks game, that was a toss-up game for me. I think that the Dolphins-Jets game is going to be a really close game like we discussed. You obviously picked the Jets. I picked the Jets in my weekly, weekly selections, but the Dolphins on paper should win this game. I think the most... Interesting game, and it's not just because I'm a fan of them, but I think it's just because I know how these NFC games go. But I really do think that Bears and Packers game might be a game to pay attention to. Yeah. Uh, for me, mine are going to be Tennessee and Indianapolis. That game should be pretty close once again. Then I think the Saints and the Broncos game, I honestly think that game is going to be close. 
because I think both teams are very conservative. They're both going to rely on their defense. I don't think it's going to be a game where a lot of points are actually put up on the board. And then I'll go with the Dolphins in that Jets game too. I think that's going to be another close one. And which is kind of weird if you think about it, because you're looking at the Jets, which are essentially don't even have a win this year. They've had a few times where, like, I've personally made it, made them as the selection for the week of the win. And there was weeks that they've won by – they've I'm sorry, excuse me, where they've lost literally by less than a possession. So, I mean, they've had opportunities, and it's just – it's their perfect matchup for the week. The Jets, obviously, are really good at running the ball, and obviously the defense he's running against, they're not that great against the run. So I feel like this is just the perfect matchup for the Jets this week. Mm-hmm. So it's a good choice. All right, guys, thank you for joining us once again. This was the Two Point Podcast with Nate and Craig, and this is the preview for the Week 12 games. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed this. Be sure to catch us uh, next week when we do the recap. should be out early on Tuesday going over the games. If you guys don't already know, we're recording this on Thanksgiving, so hopefully you guys all had a great Thanksgiving. Hopefully you're out there staying safe. So happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for guys. Thank we you appreciate guys for you guys. Stay safe. Listening to us as well.